when you're, when you're working on the business, you, you kind of let the problems deal with themselves and hopefully you've got other people to handle the noise and insulate you so you could think about strategy and marketing and finance and sales and operations and not so much about who is serving this one customer and how do we deal with their complaint and how do we collect the cash so that we can make sure we can make payroll on time. All those things are important, but to succeed at a high level, you've got to have someone else in your organization that can take care of that. This is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast, brought to you by G4 Marketing. Interviews with today's top home improvement entrepreneurs about marketing, sales, money, mindset, and lifestyle. Now, here's your host, Brian Kaskavalsian. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. This is Brian Kaskavalsian with G4 Marketing Group. I've got something a little different for you today. We talk here a lot about wealth. It's called the Wealthy Contractor. Well, I should, uh, let me take that back. We talk about using your business to make more money and to become quote unquote wealthy. But how do we become really wealthy, like real wealth? Like how do we take the money from our business and multiply it and have it working for us so we don't at some point don't have to rely on the money that's coming in from our businesses? And so I have brought on somebody that we've been working closely with Noah because I want him to do this for me like he does for his other clients. You may have heard me say this before here, but my kind of my big thing right now over the next five years is to really focus on building real wealth and creating permanent income and creating assets that work for us that are outside of the business. So basically the business exists to make money, yes, so that I can live the lifestyle and live in the house that I want to live in and take the trips and have the cars and do all the fun stuff. But the business also needs to make enough excess cash that I could give it to Noah so Noah can multiply it for me over the years. And so Noah, welcome. Thanks, Brian. Glad to be here. We're yeah. making it happen. Yeah, and I hope that for a lot of you, I hope that this is going to be, my, my intention is to make this inspiring for you and exciting for you to see what the, the, the possibilities are for you because, because this guy, so I remember Noah, I'm going to ask you to tell a quick version of your, of your story, but I remember the first time I, was, I heard about you. Uh, let me say it that way, and I'll lay it out for you guys this way. So uh, we know Noah through EO, Entrepreneurs Organization, and we were at an event, and I didn't know you then, and we're at an event, and two tables back, so th there was, it was a basketball coach, do you remember this guy? We went yeah, to the right. Fina yep. Theater, okay? Yep, yep. That basketball coach, that guy was an amazing, amazing Warren Rustin, yeah, brilliant. Yep. Do you remember the question that he asked that you responded to? 
it, it may have been something around like family values or family mission or family motto, something like that. It, well, it was, I remember your answer and I, I don't know if I'm, I, I, it was personal. So I don't know if I want to repeat the answer, but I heard his answer and it had to do with, with, with this topic, with creating wealth. And it was very, it was such a unique answer and I'm sitting there and he's behind me. He's two, two tables behind me. And I heard this and, I'm, and I immediately like look back and say, who the hell is that guy? <laughs> and, and then shortly, I don't know, shortly thereafter, we ended up meeting. And last year, I think, or maybe even the year before, we actually hired you to help us because we were starting to have some real tax issues. And so you did an amazing job with that. And, I, and now we're going to go beyond the tax issues. And I'm actually getting ready to like start sending all my money over to him. And so I thought, let's bring him on. So you've written some books, some, you know, yeah. but one of them that I think is really cool is it's called Exit. Healthy, wealthy, and wise. Very cool book. It's a step by step, step by step guide to conquering business, personal, family, and financial issues when selling or transferring a business. And, and by the way, and I'll stop talking in a minute, Noah, so that you could you could get a word in. But what I really like about this, and and I like about Noah is in the title here, it gives you kind of some of his values too, because it's not only about making more money, but it's also about how that is, how is that going, what is that going to do for me personally? What is that going to do for my family? And so he's big on, on personal and on family. And, you know, we talk a lot about that here at the podcast and then also in the other things that that we do so with all of that noah by the way i haven't even told him your last name his last name is rosenfarb noah rosenfarb so tell us your two minute the two minute version of your story sure i'll, I'll pick up on something you said and then i'll, I'll tie it all together so okay. one of my personal philosophies is that prosperity equals wealth times happiness and you know growing up i i noticed just from the family business. I'm a third generation CPA. And my dad was always dealing with conflicts over money. He testified in court when people were fighting over money. And so I realized, you know, money didn't buy happiness. Uh, but I also grew up with a single mom who always had two jobs, sometimes had three, and she still struggled to put food on the table. And I saw that not having money also made it really difficult to be happy. And so I had this, you know, conflicting situation where I'd spend weekends with my dad and we'd go out to dinner and I could order dessert or we'd go bowling and then we'd go to the movies and we were doing things that I realized I could never do with my mom. And I, I recognized that having money meant that I would be able to have choices. And so I wanted to become wealthy. And I spent a lot of time, effort and energy learning and reading and plotting and planning and uh, built myself a, a really nice lifestyle but it wasn't at the expense of the things that were really important to me, like building a great family and having the freedom of time because I didn't want to be a slave to my business. I wanted my business to provide for my lifestyle. I didn't want to be, you know, working 60, 70 hours a week only to get divorced and have to split up half of the fortune that I worked so hard to create with my spouse that I didn't like anymore. So, yeah. 
I don't now know if you, that's enough of a story, but <laughs> well, you, uh, what's cool is you, you actually happen to like your spouse, right? <laughs> yeah. Tomorrow's our 20th wedding anniversary. Congratulations. Uh, great relationship. Thank you. We yeah. met uh, when we were teenagers and just, you know, had the good fortune of falling in love with someone that's been a great partner and really helped me gravitate towards the holistic approach that I've taken. I think without her, it would have been really easy for me to focus on becoming a billionaire and just being so money hungry and driven. And with her, I've recognized the importance of, you know, enjoying what we have and slowing down and being present and, you know, finding things outside of money-making activities that make me happy. Yeah. Well, that's great. Congratulations. That's a big, that's a big milestone. You know what I was going to tell you when we spoke last week, I was going to tell you that I read this article. So me and Addie are on 22. And I read this article a few months back, or well, yeah, it was months back, about how once you get to 20, things really start to get good. Because by this <laughs> point, you've, you've like figured yeah. out you know, uh, like, this is the person I really do want to be with. Um, right. Unless you're just mm. happen to be stuck, which I know you're not, and I'm not. But, yeah. but, but it, things are just and I know that you guys, ha you guys have a fantastic relationship, and you have two great kids. But things are really gonna, things are really, really gonna get better. Uh, I, I hope nothing but but the best yeah. for you guys. Thanks. My dad always said life begins again when the, the kids move out and the dog dies. So yeah, we've got so, nine years with our daughter in the house and, uh, and then it's party time. Well, so my, my two, so my older one is still at home, but when we move in two weeks, she's going to be like on, on one side of the house and she can come and go. She's, she's going to be 22 and she's got her own life and she's got her own things to do. She doesn't need us to babysit her. And then my little one, who's 18 now, she, she went to school in, at UF. And so she's away, which sucks, yeah. by the way. But yeah. it's good for her. But anyway, so me and Addie are like, we're, 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 there. we're there, man. We're there. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about – so before we started the recording – I, I wanted to share with Noah that what we like to talk a lot about here and then also at, at our, our, more so I think at our live events, make money in your business, yes, so that you can live the lifestyle that you want. So you can grow the business and invest in the business. But you also have to make money in your business so that you can take it out of your business and build wealth outside of the business. Because a lot of business owners, and you, could, you sp can probably speak to this as good as anybody, a lot of business owners think, well, I'll just build up my business and then I'll sell it for a whole bunch of money. And that'll be my retirement. But you and I both know that most businesses are not sellable. They're Especially not something. If, if they haven't created enough value. Right. And that's really Let's the unfortunate talk a little consequence. Bit about that. Yeah, you know. Most entrepreneurs are still stuck working in their business. And mm -hmm. instead of working for someone else, they're working for themselves. And, you know, when, you, when you're in that, you could still create a nice lifestyle. You could send your kids to college. You could go on vacation a couple times a year. You know, it could feel good that you, you're driving a nice car and, you know, you have that lifestyle that you wanted. 
but really the business requires your effort. And if the business requires your effort, then it may not be a business that someone else would want to acquire for any substantial amount of money because they're going to have to go and basically take your job. So, you know, not everybody's going to want your job, but if you have a business through systems and processes and, you know, the ability for you to take yourself out of the day to day where you're solely working on your business and no longer in your business. Now that's something that has real transferable value. And the key is that the businesses that are the most valuable are the ones where the owner says, why would I sell it? Why, if I got five times my income, what does that mean? I barely do anything now. What am I going to get five times my, on my money? You know, if I go and invest in real estate, am I going to get five, you know, 20% returns? Maybe, maybe not, you know? So why would I sell the thing I know to then go and invest in something that I don't know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, and it's too bad because everything, for so many years, they put everything, their heart, their soul, they reinvest all of their money and then they, and they live a pretty good lifestyle. But at the end of the day, they, they, they think, oh, it's going to be worth all of this money and it's not worth anything and they've wasted all of this time. So let's talk about what are some of the things that you, oh, by the way, I love this. There's Noah's got this. This is new, by the way, you just added this. So for those of you that are watching on YouTube, you could see this, but those of you that are listening on the podcast, you can't see this, but next to Noah's name, it says financial advice for the half percent. Let's talk about that before we get into some of the strategies. So, uh, you know, my, careers evolved over time, but I've always really worked with the most successful entrepreneurs on the planet. When I was doing accounting, when I was testifying as an expert witness, when I've been managing money, you know, when I'm investing in real estate, the people that I interact with tend to have really high incomes, high net worth, and the advice that's applicable to them you know, not just financial advice, family advice, you know, how to interact with your kids, how to talk about money around your family, how to make sure that you have a happy relationship with your parents and your, you know, in-laws. All of those dynamics are very different when you're at this upper echelon of wealth than they are for the 99%. And so I've just really honed in on my target market and making sure that I'm my own best client. So I, you know, the things that I'm doing for my family are the things that I'm doing for other families and the things I learn from other families I'm applying to my own family. So I, I've really dialed in who I can best serve because anyone can help somebody that wants to put, you know, fit $40,000 into a 401k plan, but not everybody can help someone set up a sophisticated tax structure to avoid millions of dollars in taxes. So I, I, I really tend to work with people that are at that million dollar or more income level. And that's really the sweet spot for me. What is, so, so I, I want to define who these people are and what some of their characteristics are because, you know, there's all this negative talk about the evil 1%, although we don't hear that as much anymore. And by the way, to everybody that's listening, that's never, ever, ever going to go away. It, it's called the Pareto principle. You know, it's the 80-20 rule. And what most people don't realize, the 80-20 rule does not stop at 80-20. It continues going. So when you hear about the 99-1, that's like the 80-20 rule at the third degree, I, I believe. 
So at, to be in the 1%, in the 1%, yeah. currently, what is annual income at, at that level? So nationally, it's around 450 grand, you know, in places like New York or California, it might be 800, but nationally, it's around 450,000 of income. Yeah. Yeah. So as a business owner, that's not a whole lot. I mean, it's not a crazy amount of money, the 450,000 total income between, you know, profitability and, and salary. Yeah. Right. And benefits. Um, and then, you know, that half a percent is actually around a million. Okay. And it, like you said, it logarithmically goes up. So once you go to the 0.1%, so then you get to about 10 million. Yeah. <laughs> so one out of a thousand people are making $10 million or more. It's really shocking. I'm sorry, one out of 10,000 people are making 10 million or more, which is really shocking. You know, how many people are making a lot of money? And, you know, I live in here in South Florida and you see it all over the place. All these $8 million houses that are on the water and beachfront homes that sell for, you know, $20 million. Who owns them? It's all these people that are in that, you know, top echelon of the 1% of the 1%. Yeah. And, and, and at the end of the day, let's be clear, your goals are your goals, right? I'm saying this to the listener. My goals are mine. Noah's are Noah's. They're unique. I don't even, I I mean, Noah knows a lot more about my finances than I know about his, but I almost certain that my goals are different from his. And it does, none of that really matters. What matters is that you understand where you need to be in order for you to live the lifestyle you want to live, that you're creating the wealth that you want to create, and what's needed to make that happen. If it's $450,000, it's $450,000. If it's $250,000, which it would be for a lot of people, that's great too. Either way, the things that that we're going to talk about here apply to you just as well. It's just the strategies might be a little bit different for you than they would be somebody that's making a million dollars a year or more. So, what are some of the things that you've noticed about those people, about the very wealthy people? I mean, I, I have clients and we talk about them here and I bring them onto the podcast, but I have clients that are making well over a million, a million dollars a year, some that are making over $5 million a year. And we try and always kind of figure out what is it? What makes them different? How do they tick? What are some of the things you've noticed about those people? So I'll tell you one thing I haven't noticed, which is also important. And that's that by and large, the impression that the media and Hollywood creates around rich people is not at all my personal experience of dealing with really successful entrepreneurs. Mine either, by the way. Yeah. You know, I think they tend to be really kind, really caring, really loving, really generous, very family oriented, you know, all of the things that you don't see portrayed in the movies. Yeah. And, and when you dig in and find out, you know, or, or uncover what is it that's driving them? A lot of times it's their backstory. So it's, you know, the rags to riches, the drive that they've had. And I, I would kind of put myself in that category. You, you'd see a real passion for their family and protecting their family. I see that drive a lot of entrepreneurs. But from a, from a personality trait or a mental capability trait, it, I think it really comes down to the ability to see into the future. 
So there's studies that are done. There's one famous study, I forget who the scientist was that did it, but basically classified people on their ability to think through the impact of today's decision on the future. And the vast majority of humans can't really understand the consequences of a decision they're making on something that's going to happen anywhere from a week to a month to six months from now. So most people can't really think that far in advance. And when you speak with entrepreneurs that are really successful, they have a much better sense of what I'm doing today and how it's going to impact five years, 10 years, 20 years, 100 years down the line. Builder Prime is changing the game for home improvement contractors. Imagine having everything you need to help your business grow in one place. CRM, estimating marketing automation with SMS, production management software, and now call center dialer integration, all wrapped into one easy to use package. And it's never been easier to switch CRMs. Hundreds of contractors trust Builder Prime to grow their businesses with powerful reporting tools to see which leads are making money, which sales reps are the top performers, and where to optimize for the greatest impact. We're talking about winning more jobs, boosting productivity, and delighting your customers. Are you ready to fuel your business growth even faster without all the daily frustrations of your current tech stack? You owe it to yourself, your team, and your business to learn why everyone is switching over to Builder Prime, the only true does-it-all CRM for home improvement contractors. Head over to BuilderPrime.com and request a personalized demo with an expert today. You know, what's interesting about what you just said is if, if you, you said it earlier, you said this whole thing about working on the business versus in the business. And a simple way to think about what he just said is when you're working in your business, you are working in this minute right now right this minute and the next minute and the next, and it's all about what's happening right now, this hour, when you're working on your business, that's when you're thinking about what's going to happen. How is what we're doing today going to impact us next month? How's it going to impact us this quarter? How is it going to impact us this year? And how is that going to set us up for next year and beyond? And that's one of the the reasons why you want to be working on the business and not in the business. It's kind of like the whole, you know, at what level are you looking at your business? When you're working on your business, you can look at it from a 30,000 foot view. When you're working in your business, you're working at it from your, you know, your six foot view. Right, <laughs> And the stress level affects your ability to make those decisions too. Yeah. When you're in the business and you've got you know, a problem with the marketing coordinator and you've got a problem with the guy that's going out to make the repairs and you've got, pro- you know, all you see are problems. When you're, when you're working on the business, you, you kind of let the problems deal with themselves and hopefully you've got other people to handle the noise and insulate you so you could think about strategy and marketing and finance and sales and operations and not so much about who is serving this one customer and how do we deal with their complaint and how do we collect the cash so that we can make sure we can make payroll on time. All those things are important, but to succeed at a high level, you've got to have someone else in your organization that can take care of that. All right. So let's get into talking a little bit about what do you do? What are some of the things? And let's, we'll talk high level today, Noah, and maybe we'll do some other things based on feedback. We'll do some other things about the more specific items. 
But I, you know, one of my big things that I really discovered over the last few years is this idea of permanent income. I was one of those people, like you mentioned, I think before we turned on the recording, I always thought, well, I'll just sell my business for, and this is part of the reason why I went completely bankrupt the first time was because we were so focused on building a business and then selling it for a ton of money. And that's where we were going to make our money that we didn't build a good solid business at the foundation. Right. And so it wasn't going to be worth anything and, and it, and it blew up. So instead of being focused on that, on that big payout, now I'm focused on how do I maximize the profitability of my business so that I can then take that profit and not use all of it inside. I, you know, we need a little bit of the money to, to grow our businesses, but how do I take the money out of the business and turn it into, for me, again, permanent income is very important, but what are some of those, those strategies? What are some of the things that the listeners I'll can start do? by sharing the framework that we like to use, because I think without the framework, it, you know, I always say, if you don't know where you are and where you want to go, you, you're never going to know how to get there. So right. what we often start with is needs, wants, desires. So if, if you think about what your needs are post-business exit, whether you know, that's through retirement or a sale or you're just too old to do it anymore or a crisis, what, what do you actually need to live on? And for a lot of families, you know, that comes out to something between six, eight, ten thousand a month just to make sure that they could live and pay their bills and stay in their home and have a car and a cell phone and internet access. And part of those needs could get met through government programs like social security. But we want to make sure that there's a, a plan in place that your needs are met if something goes wrong in your business, whether that's a disability and there's disability insurance to make sure you protect your needs, whether it's an accidental or, or um, you know, unintended death and there's death benefit from life insurance to make sure there's enough money there for your rest of your family to meet their needs. But let's protect your needs and let's solidify what your needs are. And let's make sure that if you get out to age 65 or whatever that magic age is where you're no longer going to have income from your business, let's make sure there's enough planned income to meet all of your needs. And usually we're using insurance type products to get us there because those are the low risk, low return, nothing fancy. We just want to make sure that no matter what, we have what we need and protect, protect ourselves from being, you know, out on the street, living with our kids or whatever could potentially be worse. The second piece then is what do we want? And so maybe we want to be able to afford our children's weddings. We want to be able to pay for our children's educations. We want to be able to take a family vacation once a year with our kids and grandkids. We want to be able to, you know, fly first class, whatever those, those wants are that are important to you and you want to start funding them. And maybe that's another 10,000, 15, 20,000 a month that you want to make sure you have coming in if things are successful. Well, let's figure out how to start funding that. So maybe we're going to look at 
real estate investment that's going to provide passive income. Maybe it's investing in other people's businesses where you can provide them some advice and guidance because of the experience you have and get a really good return on your investment in a cash flowing company that someone else is running. So automatically you start working on the business because you've never actually worked in the business. Maybe it comes from a portfolio of stocks and bonds like most Americans have. But again, entrepreneurs tend to have a different ability to take risks, identify risks and benefit from those rewards. And then we want to, so we want to stuff that bucket with investments that are going to reduce that second level of income and cash flow. And then we go to the desires. And what do you really desire? And Tony Robbins does like a masterful job of walking people through this exercise because some people say, you know, I want to have my own G5, right? I want, I want that plane and I, it's $50 million. And it's like, well, you don't really want a $50 million plane. What you want is you want to be able to travel from Miami to LA on your own, you know, private aircraft six times a year. And if you do the math, that's 300 grand. So you really need 300 grand of cash flow to take that private charter flight, right? So, okay, well now how do we fill that bucket with income? How do we make sure we have that income there? And when you start mapping it out, you know, a lot of the clients that I deal with, they're at the low end, they're looking for 30, 40,000 a month at the high end, you know, it's a hundred, 200, 300,000 a month. And we just look to put in the building blocks so that we could create that income on a repeatable, consistent basis from a variety of investments, oftentimes outside of the volatility of the general stock market. And so what are some of the ways that, that you're doing that? So last week, we just closed on 475 units of multifamily housing in Decatur, Georgia. A project like that, you know, we only put up three and a half million dollars to acquire a $30 million asset. So, you know, it's a lot of leverage and there's a lot of risk to it, but the rewards could be significant. I think if all goes according to plan, I'll get my money back out of that property in the next six to nine months through a refinance. I'll still own the property and I'll probably generate, you know, $300,000, $400,000 a year of cash flow, even though I already got my money back. So I'm getting like a 10% return, but I've already got the money and I could go do the next deal. Next month, we're buying 118 units, you know, in, in that same neighborhood. So yeah. you know, we've accumulated yeah. 3,500 apartment units and I love that model. Now, for most people, me included, I cannot go and make that deal. I don't know that business. I don't understand the ins and outs of it. I don't know finance as well as somebody like you does. So that deal would I, I would never be able to put that deal together. However, there is going to be a way I can participate. Am I, that's not the one I'm in. I'm in the next one. You're, you're, maybe you're in one before that too. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, the next one coming up. Uh, so we, we so talk about this because, yeah, because yeah. look, let's, let me just say this, that three and a half million dollars. So look, you know, I, I don't have today three and a half million dollars cash to put into an investment like that, but there are other ways to get involved in investments like that, like... Yeah. So what we do is we syndicate those investments. Syndicate means that I put the deal together. I need to write a check for three and a half million. Like you, I don't have a three and a half million dollar check that I want to write on my own behalf to buy the property hundred percent. Even if I did have the money, it's my business to syndicate investments. So when other people put their hundred thousand dollars into the deal, I make money on their money if, if the deal goes well. So I, I essentially get more than my fair share of returns by 
putting the deal together. So I love that business. But for my investors, so we've got 100 investors that have put money with us in various real estate transactions and other transactions. And as, as long as we're making money, as long as they're making money, then we're making money. And they come in for, you know, oftentimes the first deal, they could come in at 50 grand. And then after that, it's 100 grand. And, you know, if somebody does one deal a year and they do that consistently for a decade, they're going to have a pretty significant amount of income in retirement if they allocated a million dollars over the course of a decade because we're getting that capital back to them. They can invest that capital into another deal. They're getting cash flow that they can invest in other deals. And the money creates a bit of a snowball and you're creating that snowball outside of your operating business. And it's also super tax efficient. So it's a great way to start to build a portfolio of income producing real estate where you have a diversified pool. You don't have to put all your money into one two family house that's within 30 minutes of where you live. You could go into different markets. I used to be a landlord myself directly buying two family properties. I know that business. And really at the end of the day, I, I couldn't get a good return on my time. I was better off working in my business or on my business and not going to the tenant to try and collect the late rent payment and have them tell me that, you know, they need the carpets clean because something happened or they broke a window or the air conditioner wasn't working right. So I've gotten rid of all those headaches by buying large scale apartment units and having professional management and professional operations. And my returns are essentially the same as they were when I was buying small properties, but my allocation of time is, you know, far less significant. So yeah, that's definitely one asset class that I really love, but there's some others if you want me to share. Well, you know what, let's, uh, we're going to stop with that one. We'll come back and we'll talk about some other stuff. Cause I also want to bring Noah back and I'd like to hear from you guys. Is this, you know, do you want to hear more of these kinds of things? I've, I'm, I'm trying to work out with Noah, how to get him involved at our accelerate live event. That's going to happen in January because that's a room full of people that need, need this message and need the options and the strategies that, that you talk about. So what I like about this is, so I don't have to be, as an investor, I don't have to be a real estate expert. I don't have to be a finance expert. I don't have to be looking on the lookout for these deals I just have to find somebody like you. Now, I'm not going to make as much money. My return is not going to be as great as yours. But that's perfectly fine for me as an investor. And I think for, you know, other people that are listening that are thinking, well, I'm not a real estate, I'm not a real estate investor. I don't, how could I do all of that? Well, you got to find somebody like, like Noah. So, what are some of the, because I know that you do wealth advisory as well. You do the, the typical stuff as well. What should somebody that maybe doesn't have a relationship with, with a wealth advisor, what are they looking for? Because I've gone through a few, as I would imagine, many of the people that you know, and maybe a lot of the people here, have gone through people before. What are the things that we're looking for in a good wealth advisor? So I'll tell you what I think just in general people should be looking for when it comes to a relationship with someone around their money. One thing is that, you know, when I, I would give the analogy of when I go to look for a personal trainer, I wouldn't go to a fat out of shape personal trainer 
And so I think if you're going to try and find someone to manage your money, you should take a look at what are they doing for themselves? You know, and that's not based on what kind of car they're driving or what house they live in, because oftentimes that's not the real deal. You want to ask them, you know, what are you investing in? How do you invest your money? How do you make money? What does it look like for you? How much do you spend? What do you do with your savings, right? Try and understand what's their financial plan, because if their plan is drastically different from something you'd ever want to do, then you probably aren't going to be a good fit for them because you're, they're always going to try and recommend things that they're comfortable with and that they're doing for themselves. If they're, if they're any good at this business, you know, so what we find is that people that are primarily life insurance oriented. So somebody that works for Northwestern mutual, everything they're going to recommend to their clients is going to be based around insurance products because that's all they could sell at Northwestern mutual. If you speak from someone at, Morgan Stanley or Merrill Lynch, they work at a brokerage firm. They're most likely going to sell you brokerage firm products. Yeah. If you speak with someone that's in a registered investment advisory firm, they're most likely going to sell you a managed money product. So you want to make sure that you understand where do they work? How does that firm fit into the whole financial planning spectrum? How does that financial advisor actually do for themselves? And how are they going to do that for you? And then Beyond that, of course, it's relationship-based. So who am I willing to really have a deep conversation with? Who do I feel comfortable putting in front of my spouse, maybe my children, maybe my parents? You know, how, who's this person that's going to help create that dialogue in our family so that we have a healthy attitude about money? Or is this something I'm just going to try and keep to myself? I'm never going to let anybody else in, and I just want to find somebody to run my transactions, you know? I would say... There's a lot of people out there that are going to tell you, you know, we have the best research. We're going to buy Tesla when it's low. We're going to sell it when it's high. We're going to buy the IPOs. You know, to me, that's meaningless. That's the, the studies have shown that that's not a way to get wealthy. And, and again, I think the quantitative results of your financial performance, whether you generate a 6% return or a 10% return with one advisor or another, that'll make a significant difference over time. But the relationship you build with somebody and their ability to help you chart your future and create a plan that's going to get you where you want to go. That's what's really important because if you could get where you want to go with 6% returns because they're helping you increase the value of your company or they're encouraging you to take money out of your business and save it for your future, or they've got a way to have a conversation with your spouse to talk to them about maybe spending less and saving more. You know, those are the things that might produce better results for you than that six to 10% difference, you know? Yeah. Cool. So um, this has been really good. And, and to the listener, you have to be making money in your business and you have to be taking it out of the business and moving it into other places. Even, you know, even a little bit at a time, a few thousand dollars a month, start with that, but start moving money out of the business and away from the business and, and get with somebody that you, that you can trust, start to interview people, talk to them. I like the advice that you gave. I mean, ask them, how do you make your money? Where did, but most of us wouldn't ask. That's not a common question. But I think if you're a wealth advisor and you don't have a relationship with that person, you don't know who they are and where they've been and what they've done, 
Probably nothing wrong with asking, well, how much money do you don't, make? How much money do you have? Don't be embarrassed to ask. Don't be, no. We know, we're going to ask you everything, right? Right. And so I think it's, it's fair game to say to me, well, no, talk to me about you know, your business and talk to me about what do you do with your money and how do you talk to, about money with your kids? And you know, yeah. all that's, I, I think I can only, you know, sometimes people are better players than coaches and sometimes people are better coaches than players. So you've got to always factor that in. You may find a financial advisor that's really great at giving advice to other people, but when you peek behind the curtain, their, their own thing is a mess. Yeah. And, and, you know, that maybe that circumstance exists and you could find it the other way around where someone does a really great job with their own finances and they do a terrible job with clients. But, you know, my guess is that on average over time, if you, if you line up a hundred financial advisors that are all doing a good job with their money, they all have a healthy business, they have healthy relationships, they know how to talk about money, they're probably doing a good job for their clients too. Well, cool. Hey, Noah, do you, I know we have listeners that are in that the half percent category, or if anybody that's listening wants to learn a little bit more about what you do, or maybe get your books, do you want to give a website or something where people can find you? Sure. So Freedom Family Office is our primary business where we you know, help entrepreneurs with a 20 to $100 million net worth and manage everything in their financial life. If you go there and sign up for our newsletter, you'll start to get all our stuff. And then if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn or Facebook, you know, find me there. I share a ton of stuff about taxes and wealth management and living a good life and you know, whatever other topics relate to real estate. Yeah, and he's money. got good stuff. Yeah, and we'll put we'll put a link in the in the in the email when we send out the email to everybody with a, with a link to to your LinkedIn and to your website. Noah, this has been great. It's always great talking with you and just learning more about this this thing called wealth and building and creating wealth for the future. Thank you. For those of you that are listening, I do want to hear back from you. Is this a topic that you want us to go deeper on? Because we really just scratched the surface. I mean, we, we could have talked about tax strategies, which Noah's helped us, us personally, me and Addie. We're talking now, we were talking about real estate. We're, we're invested in real estate. We're talking about life insurance and how to use, there's different products that you can use for different things. So there's a really a lot here to unpack, getting involved in other people's businesses. I mean, there's so much more that we, uh, we can unpack with Noah. And if you want to hear more about it, let me know and, and we will bring Noah, Noah back. Thank you. Again, I appreciate it. Love to come back. If you need me, I'm here for any of your listeners, you know, look me up. If you have a specific question, reach out to me. I'm happy to answer it. Awesome. Cool. And you know, one last reminder, if you do not have a copy of this book, I'm people that are watching on video can see it. Those of you on the podcast, it is called The Seven Secrets to Becoming a Wealthy Contractor. Go to our website, thewealthycontractor.com. And basically, I have got, I buy the book and you just pay a small delivery fee, but it's an important book. We talk about how to make money in your business so that you can grow your wealth and, and, and live the life that, you know, we call it living your best life, right? Whatever that looks like for you whatever that looks like for you. But for most of us, the business is the primary vehicle for making that happen. And so this book will help you with the mindset of how to create a profitable home improvement business. And and then we can take that profit and we can give it to Noah and he could 
multiply it like rabbits. Money likes <laughs> money likes money, doesn't it? It likes to play. It likes to have friends, doesn't it? It's it's a lot easier to get from the one percent to the half percent than it is to get from the fiftieth percentile to the twenty fifth percentile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Money, money's an interesting money's an interesting construct. It's a very interesting thing. Anyway, so everybody, that this is another episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. This is Brian Kaskovalsian with G Four Marketing Group. Thanks for being here, and until next time. All right, so that's it for today's episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Let me ask you, did it help you look at your business in a new way? Did it spark an idea or ideas you hadn't thought of before? Do you have a list of action items that you can take and implement into your business or your life today? I really hope so. Now, before you go, make sure you subscribe to the Wealthy Contractor Podcast so you get access to the latest episodes as soon as they're available. We're always striving to provide you with great content so you don't want to miss what's coming up. And a favor. I'd really appreciate it if you'd go to iTunes and post a review of this podcast. Let us know how we're doing. The Wealthy Contractor Podcast is brought to you by G4 Marketing Group, where we help contractors of all kinds create customers, keep customers, and multiply their customers and profits. If you're interested in reaching new levels of success for your company, visit www.gfourmarketing.com or just call us at 305 305- 856-8788 to schedule your free, no obligation, wealthy contractor strategy session. Now, during this strategy session, we're going to look at eight key performance factors in your business, and we're going to help you uncover opportunities for growth, for leads, for sales, and for profit. So until next time, this is Brian Kaskovalsian with G4 Marketing Group.